0: We are in a new series, so take that out if you would. Have a pen or a pencil ready to go for some notes. Uh, We're in this new series um, called God's Grand Story. Where We are traveling through the New Testament uh, over the next six weeks, and um, we are thrilled that literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you are also going through the devotions and the studies and the community groups and the classes, um, literally the community groups all over the city of Stockton. And so we are thrilled that you're joining us. Um, As Pastor Derek said, if you're not in there yet, you can still jump in today. Let me share with you where we're going up here on the screen. If you have a devotion book, you'll see that this map is in there, kind of this timeline. Uh, I'm just going to kind of pick out um, a few different stories of these different areas, from when Jesus came to the ministry of Jesus, and then his death and his resurrection. And those are all going to be out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. After that, we'll talk about the church and how it began in the book of Acts. Uh, And then kind of zero in a little bit on Paul's letters, and where he wrote and why he wrote those, as well as some general revelation, uh, general letters and then the book of Revelation that will come uh, on our last Sunday together. So we're excited about where this is going. We have a lot to cover, and I know the heart of it will really be covered uh, with you doing devotions in your own life at home. And that's why we encourage every one of you to get the devotion book, to get connected to a community group. Uh, And then on Sunday mornings, I just got to get to set the table and talk about one of the stories that is in uh, the passages. And today, as we talk about Jesus coming, we're going to look at the beginning of his ministry out of Luke chapter four. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter four called the showdown in the Desert." This is kind of the the passage where Jesus gets into a little bit of a shootout with uh, Satan. The old western, you know, gunfight. Jesus on one side, face to face with the tempter, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. Um, Bullets are flying as they have this intense showdown in the desert. And so Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, let me read that. To begin with, it's on um, the PowerPoint as well if you don't have a Bible right in front of you. But if you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to pick one up on your way out at our Next Step Center. Here it says, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they ended, were ended, he was hungry. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time now what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that the only human witness to these temptations was Jesus and yet Matthew Mark and Luke all give account of what happened out there in the desert so obviously you have to say Jesus shared what happened out in the wilderness with his disciples Which will lead you to the next question. Why? Why would he want to share this with his disciples? To explain to them how Satan tries to get at us. So that they would be watchful as well. And in turn, we here, disciples, some 2,000 years later, would also be aware of the schemes that Satan fires at us and tries to take us down with. And so let me ask you this question. Do you know your temptation weaknesses? See, I would venture to say, and many of you have heard me say this before, that most of us in here don't have 10, 20, 30 sins that we continue to do over and over and over and over and over and over again. We we, we sin a lot. I'm the chief of all sinners here. Paul emphasizes that as well in Scripture. But I would guess that if you go back and at the end of your days you are praying for forgiveness every, every evening as your day has ended, that the temptations that you have fallen into probably were Two, three, four of the same ones that you always fall into. And that tells me that you have a propensity that way. And that also tells me Satan knows your propensity. He knows what you also fall into. He knows the eyes and how they can look at things that they shouldn't be looking at. Maybe the ears, things that you listen to. Maybe your stomach, the what you eat. Maybe it be your mouth and the gossip or the words that you say. Do you know those? Because I guarantee you Satan knows those. However, here's another question to ask. Do you know when you are most susceptible to those temptations as well? When in your life? Maybe throughout the day or maybe throughout a week or a month's time? Let me share with you where Jesus reached this place of temptation, where Satan attacked him. He did so after Jesus came to a high point in his life, and it's something to watch for. When you come off of a Sunday, maybe it's a high point, maybe it's in your community group, maybe, maybe even your time of prayer and worship personally, be ready, Satan comes your way. He did so with Jesus. Look at what it says here in Luke chapter one, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It said, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Now what was he doing in the Jordan? Yeah, he was baptized, wasn't he? A spiritual high in anyone's life to be baptized. And in comes Satan to tempt him. Returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone To become bread. All right, on your outline, you have the very first strategy that Satan uses. He tried it on Jesus. I bet he tries it on you as well. Be ready for this. You need it. Satan likes to tell you, you need it. You deserve it. It should be yours. God wants you to be happy and healthy, right? Jesus, why? why, you're, You're hungry. You need to eat. It's only bread, Jesus, it's not like it's a pepperoni pizza or something like that. Come on, you need to keep up your strength. You need it. And the same thing comes for us. Because understand this, Satan is very deceptive in making our wants appear like needs. Let me say that again. Satan will do all he can to make our wants appear like like needs like oh man your boss man he is messing you over you don't deserve that here have a drink this will help it'll kind of take the edge off here this will make you feel better Or maybe, you know, like, wouldn't it be fun to get back at your girlfriend or get back at your boyfriend? It's not like it's a rebound relationship. No, let's just call it, you know, personal companionship with someone else. And you need that. It's good to be in community. You shouldn't be by yourself. Just get back into a relationship with someone else. Or maybe, you you know, your wife, she is freezing you out. Come on, man. You need a little bit on the side. It's okay. Doesn't matter. It's one of your needs. Come on. And when those temptations come, when when temptation strikes, your physical needs seem like everything, don't they? And Satan knew right where to hit Jesus. Forty days, he goes without food. You need this food. Come on. You need this. You know, I I love how we Americans do this as well, right? I mean, think about the temptation you faced last night for that piece of cheesecake that was over there on the counter, right? Right? All right, come on, it's all right, you know, take it, it's your, you know, a little bit of, uh, like, like, uh, strawberry sauce or whatever it may be on it, maybe, maybe some are like putting ice cream and chocolate on cheesecake, I don't know, that's kind of strange to me, but come on, it's all right, it's been what, like two hours since you had dinner, come on, you need you need this. Right? Or some of you guys, yeah, you you need this surround sound stereo system with all the woofers and the tweeters and stuff, right? Football, football's here. The Super Bowl's like four months away, so it helps you get ready for it, right? Okay? Or the ultra, no no longer is it good to have just regular TV. No longer is it good to just have regular HD. You need ultra HD. (laughs) Am I right? 4K ultra HD for you. You need it. It's yours. Or, or what's the newest iPhone that they have out now? I've forgotten all the numbers. Eight? Eight plus? Ten? Is there a ten out now? No. I think it's eight, right? It's like, it's like what, what, what's the temptation there? Come on. You got, what, what do you got? A Seven? Right? you know, a seven. Come on. Eight. You need it. Right? And how much are those things? You guys know this, don't you? Wow, see? It hits you, doesn't it? Yeah, do you remember how much they used to be? Just a, three, a few hundred, huh? Now it's popped over $1,000. And we do, we feel like we need it. Now, let me, let me backtrack here a second. Those things are not necessarily bad things. But when you have to go into debt, or you have to put it on your credit card, or you get locked into this plan that you know you can't afford... Satan has convinced you that a want is a need that you really have to have. Careful. See, so Jesus' strategy back to Satan was this. You can write it down. I won't use my powers selfishly. I won't do it. I won't do it for my own for my own good or for my own fame. It says, man shall not live by bread alone. I, I, I'm not dependent upon that. I won't use my powers selfishly. Selfishly, what he's saying here is, I care more about the will of the Father than I do my own desires. I mean, I look at these people who are going on this mission trip here. You know, they're, they're going down to hot land, is where they're going down to. I'm from that area. It's you don't think there's some other things they could be doing. You don't think that they could be doing some other things with the finances that they have that they could be taking some trips and just enjoying things on their own? They could. They want to give that up. See, let me me say it this way. We have so much power here in the United States. Power to do the things that we enjoy doing. Decisions that we make. Whether that be with our time. Whether that be with our finances. Many parts of the world, you don't have finances that you get to decide and make decisions. What do I do with this? And so many of you are stepping up. And so many you have and you continue to. Make this ministry happen. Some of you have helped make that ministry even in Sultana, Nicaragua, and other mission trips that we do, Costa Rica, Alaska. We've done those in the past, to Mexico. I mean, it's because so many of you have said, this money I'm going to use for God's purposes. Let me just share a few stories with you. Um, about a month or so ago, five weeks ago, um, uh, I got a phone call at the office and someone called and said, hey, Pastor Brad, are you still there at the office? I said, yep, I- I'm here. I was getting ready to head, head out, but I'll, I'll stay here and, because the person said, okay, good. Uh, my wife and I, we want to come by. We have something for you. I love it when people call me and say they have something for me. okay? Can I just say that sometimes it 's cookies sometimes it 's deviled eggs sometimes its it 's checks I, I I enjoy getting the checks um, as in the cookies and the deviled eggs and the other things as well. But um, this one, uh, he said, we have something for you. And so I I waited, and they came and greeted them. We went down to one of the downstairs offices there. We sat down at the table. We were making small talk and such. And then they said, well, we we just want to give this to you because we just really feel like the Lord has laid this on our heart for the Scottish Rite building and what we're going to be doing over there and some of the renovations and such. And they slid a check across the table for $50,000. So we just want this to be used for God's purposes over there at the building um, just to see the work continue to go forward. I mean, how do you answer that? It's like, I mean, it's like, wow, thank you. All all I could do was say, thank you, pray with them. Went back up to my office. I I wrote them a thank you note, sent it out, and thank God that people would want to use their power for God's purposes. A couple weeks after that, Another family said, hey, Pastor Brad, we know things are going over there at the Scottish Rite building. It's exciting. We want to get on board. They came in and gave a $150,000 check to the ministry of First Baptist to say, let's get that going. Let's make that happen. I said, we don't even own it yet. So they said, that's all right. We know it's coming. Use this where it needs to be used. Again, how do you say thank you? You You say thank you and I went and wrote him a note as well and said, thank you. That, that is such a blessing. About three weeks ago, I had a gal come down the aisle right here. She, she had an older gal, a widow here in the church. And she said, Pastor Brad, how are things going with the Scottish Rite? I said, I said, they seem to be going well. We're looking at closing in a few weeks, and we're doing well. We're, we're, we're very thankful. And she said, she said, well, do you have some needs over there? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to get some renovations and th- some things done over there. And she handed me an envelope. That was filled with $50. And in each of those situations, I did the same thing. I said, thank you. I went back up. I prayed with them. I went back up. I wrote a thank you note. And in each of those situations, I know those gifts were given. It doesn't matter how much was given. They were given out of equal sacrifice. And that's the heart God wants. I don't care if it's $50, $50, $50,000, $150,000 or more. It's if the heart is behind it, God sees that. And that's what I celebrated with each of them. Just say, God, thank you. Thank you for allowing people at First Baptist the wherewithal, the resources, be it time that they serve with be it trips that they go on, mission trips that they serve with, be it the finances they give, because again, you all have power. God has given that to you. He's given you the five talents in those scriptural references. You have it. Americans have it. We just get to decide where we use that. And that's my question to you here this morning. How are you choosing your power in the time you have, in the finances that you have, the family members that you have, the input that you have for others? Jesus says, I won't use it for my own good. I I don't need it. It's not for me. It's not for me. And those temptations will come your way. What are you going to do with it? Second temptation that comes the way of Jesus is this. Satan poses out this question. Why wait? Why wait? Come on. Just do it. In fact, the verses are verses 5 through 7. Would you read these up on the screen so we can all read them together? Here's what it says. Let's read them together. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will g- to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it all yours. See, basically Satan is saying, I know, Jesus, why you have come to try and restore the kingdom to the Father. But I'm now the prince of this air, of this world, and I'll make you a deal. That, that's what he's saying here. I'm going to make you a deal. Remember the old Monty Hall show, Let's Make a Deal? right? I understand someone told me that he passed away just yesterday. Yeah, let's make a deal. Or the new game show, deal or no deal. And, and, and here's, here's where it comes. Je- Satan is saying, forget all this going to the cross stuff. You can have world domination now. It's an easy shortcut. Why wait? What? Well, think of all the good that you'll have from this small little compromise. Jesus, you can have the crown without the cross. You don't have to go through any of that stuff. Just go ahead and do it now. Isn't that one that Satan really comes sniffing around us as well? I mean, if you're, if you're a student, it's why wait? You can go ahead and cheat on the test right now. Then you don't have to do all that studying, all that pain, save you all those hours. In fact, you can go out and do now more good for mankind and evangelize and other things like that. Don't get caught studying. You don't want to do all that kind of stuff. Why wait? Or in your business. Come on, you can get ahead. It's all right. Just just take a few shortcuts. It's all right. You know what? You can get the business now. Go ahead and do it. Or maybe you're in a relationship. You're not married. There's the why wait coming right after you. Ah, you're going to marry him anyway. Go ahead. It's fine. You can just sleep with him now. You're not married. Why wait? And what Satan does, Satan loves to go fishing. And Satan will throw that bait out there and he will dangle it in front of you. And when we bite, He'll begin to reel that thing in. And let me tell you, Satan does not practice catch and release, all right? He does not. It is catch and destroy. That's the way Satan operates. And he does not play fair in any sort of a way. He'll dangle that out, and as soon as he gets your attention, and as soon as he gets a little nibble and a bite, he will just yank that as hard as he can. And we we all have this kind of this why wait type of mentality, But when we do, what we are saying is, you know what? I think I have a better plan for where my life is going. And so I don't really want to do it the way that God wants me to do it. Why do I need to wait for any of that? I'll just go ahead and do it now. Why do I need to wait for the good grades? I can just go ahead and cheat on the test or download it off the Internet, or I can take care of this, or I can make more money now. Why do I have to wait on this? You know, some practices and business. I'm going to climb the ladder up. But they're kind of questionable. Well, we'll sort that out later on. Or I can have sex before I'm married. It's okay. I'm not committed to marriage, but you know what? I'm going to be someday. And when we give in to those temptations, what we're really doing is we are worshiping those elements. We're worshiping the power. We're worshiping the authority. We're worshiping the prestige. We're worshiping the sexual fulfillment that we want. We want it now. And Satan dangles it. And when we look, we get hooked. Because whatever gets your attention gets you. Remember that. What gets your attention gets you, and we start to worship those things. They take a higher priority than God does in our lives. And so Jesus counters this. Look what he says in verse 8 of chapter 4. Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In essence, what he is saying here is I won't worship things of this world. It's not my concern. I'm not going to worship the thing." that are in this world and and notice you know satan's temptations are usually not quite this bold i mean usually they're very subtle usually they're just like a small step and then a small step and then a small step just a little bit of bait just a little bit more just a little bit more just a little bit more and just a little bit more because he knows what gets our attention gets us and so let me pose that question to you are the things that you've been stopping and looking at are the things that are getting your attention when you know you have no right paying attention to them. You know, a few years ago, my daughter and I were playing in our living room. Um, Well, it was probably when she was about four or five years of age. Um, because as every daddy does, you kind of take some liberties with your daughter. And I was wrestling with her, and so I picked her up, and I started running around with her when I was picking her up and running around. And all of a sudden, I said, well, this is so much fun. She's having so much fun. Why don't I turn her upside down? And so I was running with her upside down, and I had her by her waist. Her head was about right here looking out this way, and her feet were shooting straight up. And I was running through the kitchen with her, and um, uh, we were running through, and somehow we were going from the kitchen area to the dining room area. And um, uh, uh, my wife stopped me. I don't know what, what she was just saying, hey, hey, hold on a second here. I, I think she actually wanted to give Brianna a kiss on the cheek, um, right then she didn't want to kiss me because I was, you know, endangering her daughter, but that's all right. And so we were standing right there in between the two, and, and I, we stopped, and so I was talking with her a little bit, uh, with my wife, and, and Brianna was there, and all of a sudden Brianna looks up, upside down, she looks up, and she sees this clock that's up on our wall. And before I know it, and I didn't know she was doing this, that clock was in about 29 different pieces on the floor. And I looked at her and I said, Brianna, what did you do? Did I do that? Did you do that? Well, as the story came out, she said, you know, as I was just down there looking, I looked up and it looked just so much fun, like I'd like to touch that with my foot. I said, Brianna, did you know that was an expensive clock? She said, no. Did you know that it was like a a one-of-a-kind clock that my uh, wife's sister, that mommy's sister gave to her from Italy that we can never find again? Did you know that? Mommy loved that clock. She said, no. I said, Brianna, did you know that I'm in serious trouble with mommy right now? (laughs) No? Okay, I'm sleeping on your floor tonight then, honey. (laughs) But why did that happen? It happened because it got her attention. It happened because it just looked like it would be a little bit of fun to touch that clock with her toe. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Think about what's getting your attention. Are there things at work? Are there people at work? Are there temptations? Are there shortcuts that maybe you didn't use to pause and look and contemplate and think about, but maybe you are now. What gets your attention gets you. And what Jesus says is no. The things of this world, I'm not chasing after. The things of this world, I'm not going to worship. I'm not putting them before my God. Third strategy on your sheet of paper. What Satan tempts with first. He says it like this. Ah, you won't get hurt. It's not a big... Be- you won't get hurt. Nobody will. In fact, it's out of verses 9 through 11 where it says, Satan took Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now, what's interesting about this is is how Satan is actually misusing Scripture to try and get his way in this area. In essence, he's saying, you can do something that's flashy. You can do something that's showy. You can do something to attract attention to you. And God will still protect you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. No one's getting hurt. You won't be hurt. And what actually Satan is doing is he knows Scripture. He's quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. And that's where the psalmist, though, says, when you make God your dwelling place, that's when he will protect you. When you trust God, he will protect you. Nothing along these lines of, well, just go ahead and do something showy to draw attention to yourself. And, and that's how Satan just loves to kind of twist things. He loves to take even maybe Scripture you know and twist it and make it different and change it even from what it means. There's a lot of Scripture probably he does that with. In fact, there's a lot of sayings that we have in our culture today that maybe you've heard before, that maybe you've repeated before, and maybe you've even kind of believed them as well. In fact, have you ever heard the saying? See if you can finish it for me. What happens in Vegas? Oh, you know that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you've heard it said, haven't you? won't get hurt. It'll just be your little secret. It won't follow you the rest of your life. I don't know if you heard the phrase, if it happened once, it didn't happen. Ever heard that one? There's a lie that Satan loves to throw in. Ah, if it happens once, no big deal. It's, It's as though it didn't really happen. It's okay. Or maybe that thought about, um, you know, you're young, or maybe you're ready to be divorced, and he just kind of throws out the idea, it's okay, it's a starter marriage, or it's a throwaway marriage. You ever heard that one? It's it's, it's just a throwaway, kind of like a mulligan in golf, right? Every nine holes, you get a new one, so it's okay. Every nine years or so, you can just go ahead and just trade someone in. No. Have you forgotten how important marriage is in God's sight? It's one of our ten core values here at First Baptist Church. We elevate that high amongst our values that we say, God, it mirrors his relationship with us. God's will is for you to be married. Now, I understand that some of you got divorced, and maybe some of you even did it before you were uh, a believer in the Lord. But if you are married right now and you are a follower of Jesus, there is no place for you to step out of that marriage. God wants you in that marriage. Do not forget, well, Pastor Brad, but you know what? Um, God will forgive me. Yes, he will. But someone gets hurt. You get hurt. Your spouse gets hurt. Your children get hurt. Your family get hurt. It hurts. And Satan's lie is, ah, no. Just, just kind of sweep this one away. Start our marriage. Mulligan, do it, do it over. It's all right. No big deal. You know what Jesus says? Look what he says in verse 12. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And by that, what he's really saying here is, I will stay focused on my Father's will. That's where I'm going with this. I'm going to stay focused on my Father's will. I'm not going to get onto my own will, but I'm staying focused, God, focused upon you. And what's interesting is in verse 13 now, look at what it says here. It says, and when the devil had ended every temptation... He departed from him until an opportune time. You ever thought about that? What what, what does that mean, an opportune time? When, When did that come about? You know what's interesting? It came about throughout his ministry. Over and over and over again. In fact, when Jesus was predicting his death, do you remember what happened when Peter pulled him aside and said, never, never will this happen to you. Don't even be saying that. you remember what Jesus had to say out of Matthew chapter 16? He says, get behind me. Yeah, whoa, there's a temptation and echoes of temptation number one. How about when Jesus was on trial before Herod, and in Luke chapter 23, we see where it says, Herod hoped to see Jesus perform some miracle. And Jesus could have. He could have just gotten out and said, I'm done, I'm through. Even when he was on the cross, the temptation came because we see the thief on the cross challenging Jesus and saying, ah, if you are the Christ, if you really are, go ahead, save us. Save us now. And we know he could have. At a very word, a thousand angels legion of angels could have come and saved him and you don't think Jesus would have wanted that to happen but he knew the will of the father oh yeah those temptations kept coming and coming and coming and coming and all now now get this th- this is a great point for us to remember about this all those temptations that Jesus faced later in his ministry were all public temptations and Jesus had already settled this issue in private. See, I said the only human witness to these temptations at the beginning of the message was Jesus. And there was just Jesus and there was just Satan out there. And every one of them was a private temptation that Jesus overcame. But those private temptations led to public victories later on down the road. It strengthened him for that public victory that he was going to have over temptation. In fact, let me say it this way. Who you are when no one's looking will come out when others are looking, for good or for bad. Who you are when no one's looking, in private, will come out when others are looking in public, for the good or for the bad. And we see with Jesus, he sets the model, he sets the example. He defeated them in private, and then that allowed him to make those defeats in public ministry that he was entering into. And so let me just make kind of a couple last observations. Look at, in fact, take your notes back out and look there for a second at the strategies that Jesus has to overcome. Satan throws these strategies out. You need it, why wait? You won't get hurt no big deal aren't those three strategies that our culture advertisers the media use on us over and over and over and over again i mean think about this you need this car you will look great in this car you need this drink here this needs to be yours you need this jacket you need this suit you need this dress you need it and oh by the way why wait why not just go ahead and put it on the credit card? Why wait? Have it now. Pay for it later. Why wait to sleep with him or sleep with her? It's okay. You can do it now. Why would you ever want to wait? It's okay. It's okay. Third one there. You won't get hurt. It's all right. It's okay. Just go ahead and watch Game of Thrones. Go ahead and, 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 and watch the Internet and, and late at night and those kind of things. No big deal. Nobody's going to get hurt. And what it says in verse 13, let me read that again. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I think we've just found the opportune times when Satan comes. He comes after us over and over and over again, which to me, when Jesus Had these these words come at him, these phrases that Satan kept saying, Jesus didn't mess with it. He just shot right back at him. He shot back the things, quoting Scripture, right back to him. Tells me, don't overanalyze. Don't contemplate. Don't try and battle. Don't try and debate with the tempter. In fact, what Jesus answers basically can be summarized in this. In the word of God, the worship of God, and the will of God. And when those temptations come, you shoot and fire back God's word. And you take that time and you say, okay, I'm going to still worship my Father, and that's what my goal, my desires will be, and then I will always be about the will of God in my life. In short, it's Jesus simply focuses, puts the focus back on God. Not on himself, but back on God. You know, as I said, throughout his ministry, we see Satan was coming back in with, Finding the opportune time to tempt him. We, we see him doing it the very last days before Jesus goes to the cross. Right? Remember that second temptation? Why wait? Satan's like, you know what? You don't need to go to the cross. Take the crown beforehand. Not a big deal. And that same temptation's there in the Garden of the Gethsemane. Remember how hard Jesus had to pray? Not my will, but your will be done, Father. Not about me. Not about my desires as much as I want to do away with this. But about your will. Well, I'm keeping my focus on you. And we know that he was strengthened by that, by the Holy Spirit, by the angels that ministered to him. And that's what he shares with his disciples. For before that time, it says in Luke chapter 22, as we enter into this time when we're going to remember what Jesus did with his disciples, he gathered with them in an upper room. He said, hey guys, and this was literally his community group. Hey guys, let me remind you, why I've come, let me share with you what I'm going to do. Even though they didn't fully understand it and get it right then, he says, out of Luke chapter 22, it says, he took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after he had eaten, saying the cup that is poured out for you, Is the new covenant that's in my blood. No longer do you have to battle these temptations in your own will. No longer do you have to battle them in your own spirit. But now my spirit's going to be in you. Now my spirit will be with you. Now you can do it as I will be there with you as well. And so as we come to this time of remembering what the Lord did for us so long ago, You don't have to be a member here at First Baptist to take these communion elements, but you do need to be a member of God's family. You do need to have come to a place in your life to say, yes, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I know literally hundreds of you across this auditorium have done that. And so this is a time to remember what Jesus has done for you. But there are some in here who have not taken that step yet. And so I'm going to ask you, if you've not prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, to just allow these elements to pass. However, God's Spirit is in this place. And God's Spirit would be that none, would want none to have to allow those elements to pass. God's Spirit is wanting each and every one of us to know Him as Lord and Savior, that none would perish. And so as we go to a time of remembering, we're also going to go to a time of putting that invitation out. And if today you have never said yes to the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, now would be the greatest time to do that. To know that he went to the cross to die for you. To know that as he gathered with his disciples and had this moment in his mind, he also had us in mind of sharing how important it was for us to remember him going to that cross. But we also have to know he didn't stay in the grave. He shot out of that grave so that we will have eternal life with him again someday. That resurrection power. And So now as we remember what he did, I'm also going to give you the opportunity to say for the very first time, yes, Jesus, yes. So let's pause, let's pray, and let's take care of that business before we remember what Jesus did for us. God, I thank you for what these moments in worship mean to us. I thank you for a time when we can pause from the busyness of our schedule and say, God, I'm doing this to remember what you did for me. I'm doing this to honor you and to remember until you come again or you take us home to identify with your death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you for what these elements mean, that you love us, you went to the cross to die for us, you gave up your body, you shed your blood, so we might have new life. So folks, if, if you have made that decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, now would be a great time just to come before Him with a clean heart and say, God, there's been some things perhaps in this last week, perhaps in these last few weeks, last days, even last night, that I just need to get off my chest. I, I, I need to give it to you. God's Word says He's faithful, He's just. He'll forgive us our sins. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we acknowledge what we have done. And so now's the time to enter into this time. With an open spirit of saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Lord, we even ask your forgiveness for if we have a wrong against someone else. Your word even says, Go, make it right, and then come continue to worship. So, Lord, perhaps there needs to be a phone call. Lord, perhaps there needs to be a text that we send to say, I'm sorry. Then we come with a clear conscience, a clear conscience to say, God, thank you for what you've done for us. Folks, I know there's some of you in here as well today who have not yet made a decision to say yes. Maybe you've been coming with someone for a few weeks, maybe it's been months, maybe it's been years, but you know you've never made that commitment. It's been a little scary to you. God's spirit is in this place, and that spirit so wants you in this family. He so wants to know that he has guidance in your life, control in your life, helping you to take your next steps. And he so wants you to be with him in heaven one day. So your step today would be simply to say, Lord Jesus, today I offer you my life. If you're at that place of saying, I'm ready to stop giving in to these temptations. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus. I'm ready to repent and follow him. Today's the day to say yes. Lord Jesus, I invite you in. No longer am I leading my own life. I'm having it led by your Spirit. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior today. And if you can just say those words today, just say it, even confirm it with the word yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes. Then these elements are for you as well. It's a time to celebrate what Jesus did for us in going to the cross to remember his body, to remember his blood that was shed for us God thank you for this time that we can remember what you've done may we never forget may we not walk out those doors and just take that lightly God this is one of the most spiritual acts of worship that we can have to remember how much you've loved us the sacrifice that you gave the love that this shows Lord, may we celebrate this now as we remember what you did for us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we draw access to you and we pray. Amen.